Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. I hope you guys are doing fabulous this evening. I'm going to plug these books really quick. Brian's book, From Fear to Love. We have on our promotional website, that is feartolovebook.com. Then we have this awesome book right here, The Great Behavior Breakdown. This is available on postinstitute.com, also on Amazon. If you go to the promotion site, there's actually an upgrade that includes this book. And it's called The Great Behavior Breakdown Bundle. And it has a lot of really, really good digital bonuses that go with that. Uh, then on our website, we have these two bundled together with a little boop, boop, boop discount. <laughs> And this one right here, our newest from Fear to Love workbook, which is really incredible. And I'm just going to give you guys a quick little inside look. And so this book, actually, it's a really good book. It is really, like you see, it's got all these little places, exercises, places for you to write, for you to think, dig a little deeper. Um, it is a little bit more expensive than the other books. And that is because of color printing. So I apologize but color printing is kind of expensive. So, um, yeah. So, um, tonight I want to just, I'm going to read an excerpt from this really sweet book called Because of When Dixie. I don't know when that book was actually written. Uh, I remember seeing it in the library when my daughter was little. I know they've also turned it into a movie. It's a really sweet story about um, a man and his daughter. Um, the mother is not in the story uh, for some reason, and I don't know if the book tells the reason, but for some reason, the mom um, abandoned, abandoned them. Um, I have found great, great value in reading with my daughter when she was younger um that was a really like that was our routine every night we would lay in bed together and she would snuggle right up here i had a little flashlight i would put the flashlight usually on my chest sometimes i had one of those book lights you know that you can clip to the book and those are awesome except i always would run the battery down and those batteries are a weird size so <laughs> i found it but what worked best for us was just having a small little flashlight. We'd get everything dark because we like to sleep with it really dark and really quiet. But a few things that I loved about that time in life. Um, one is um, just the connection, right? That connection time was something I loved and she did too. Um, it gave us something to go to when there were times of intense stress or when there were long hospital stays. And so we that became like a point of connection. And when I talk with parents, a lot of times I talk about that. Like we have having these rituals and routines help us have these points of connection that can be very useful when a challenging time comes along. Maybe, you know, like a big change in your family. Maybe there's a, a loss. Maybe there's a significant move. Maybe somebody has to be in the hospital. And so these little points of connection can really be very instrumental in creating comfort and soothing. It just, you know, it's kind of like the same um, children, many kids, 
no matter their age. They like to go back and watch the cartoons that they watched when they were little, and they watch it over and over and over again. They know what's going to happen, right? It's not about that. It's because it's comforting. It's comforting. They don't really have to think about it. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just like, lets their mind veg, and it creates this sense of comfort and safety and security. Um, one of the things I also like about an outcome about the reading that I didn't know was going to happen, but was pleasantly surprised, was, um, so I started reading to her, she was around three or four, and that became our nighttime routine, did it for a long, long time. But, um, you know, of course, there were, there were phases in there where sometimes she would be restless at night and restless in her sleep or that time, you know, when the grown-ups get up. So I would put her to bed. I'd lay down. We'd read. She'd go to sleep. Sometimes I'd get up so I could spend time with Brian and we'd hang out and Marley would get restless. You know, she would kind of be like mumbling in her sleep or, you know, just that, you know, that distress or, um, just being a little restless in her sleep. And so my voice actually became a soothing element. And so I wouldn't always have to go in and help her relax back to sleep. I could actually just say from the living room, it's okay, baby, mom is here. And she would hear that and be able to go right back to sleep without me having to interrupt my adult time. So that was a benefit to me reading to her that I did not expect. And yet it really was very, very helpful. <laughs> so I'm just going to read this. Um, this is chapter 11. And it's from a book called Because of Winn-Dixie. Now, I would also say that there are some, some of the most beautiful conversations that we've had about hard things that we had to go through in life, hard things that her and I have gone through, hard things that she's gone through. Um, a lot of those conversations stemmed from reading together. And so me reading out loud to her and her just being able to enjoy the story. And especially when you're talking about books that are sort of directed to the tweens. Um, and she started chapter books really early. And so you know, by the time she was in late elementary school, she loved chapter stories. She loved hearing the stories. She loved, like, every night we'd be like, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is going to be, what's going to happen tonight in the story, you know, and so we'd really get into it, and I think that um, a lot of these books take on really big issues that are very real for our kids and for us, and they give real life examples and they get you know it's telling the real life a real life story or a possible real life story even if it's a book of fiction based in reality and it really gave us great opportunities to talk about things that we might have struggled I'm sure we would have struggled to bring them up and put them on the table and talk about it and so there's just a lot of really amazing things that can come out of reading with your child and so um, I'm going to read from chapter 11, and the story is called Because of Winn-Dixie. And again, this is a, the story is about a little girl, and she lives with her dad and her, hey, Mimi, and her mother abandoned their family, 
and they found this dog named Winn-Dixie, and they named him Winn-Dixie because that's where they found him. They found him at the grocery store, and so um, the little girl had been very worried whether or not Winn-Dixie was going to be able to stay and be her pet. She loved this dog, and so that's where we're going to jump in. So that night, there was a really bad thunderstorm, but what woke me up wasn't the thunder and lightning. It was Winn-Dixie whining and butting his head against my bedroom door. Winn-Dixie, I said, what are you doing? He didn't pay any attention to me. He just kept beating his head against the door and whining and whimpering. And when I got out of bed and went over and put my hand on his head, he was shaking and trembling so hard that it scared me. I knelt down and wrapped my arms around him, but he didn't turn and look at me or smile or sneeze or wag his tail or do any of the normal kind of Winn-Dixie things. He just kept beating his head against the door and crying and shaking. You want the door open, I said. Huh, is that what you want? I stood up and opened the door and Winn-Dixie flew through it like something big and ugly and mean was chasing him. When Dixie, I hissed, come back here. I didn't want him going and waking the preacher up. But it was too late. When Dixie was all, oh my goodness, just saying that, it made me think about how sometimes in parenting, if we are not on the same page, if, uh, if there are two parents in the family and the parents are not on the same page about understanding behavior, understanding the root of the behavior, and an agreement about what to do, this same fear can come up. Our children can have some sort of eruption, and we struggle to be present for them because there's also a part of us that is scared that our spouse is going to be disrupted. Or we may feel it like a parent like a parent who's not present, our own parents, like my own mother or my own father, even though I'm a grown person, that feeling like I have to get this behavior stopped because if I don't, they're going to disrupt. They're going to wake the bear. They're going to disrupt this other adult who can be very volatile and very... Ugh. So this, this little piece where the little girl is feeling anxious because the dog might wake up her father, the preacher, is a really interesting piece, isn't it? How we can get anxious about how other adults are going to react to our children. She's worried about how her father's going to react to the, her doggy. It was too late when Dixie was already at the other end of the trailer in the preacher's room. I could tell because there was a shpoink sound that must have come from when Dixie jumping on the bed. And then there was the sound of the preacher like he was really surprised. But none of it lasted long because when Dixie came tearing back out of the preacher's room, panting and running like crazy, I tried to grab him, but he was going too fast. Opal, said the preacher. He was standing at the door to his bedroom and his hair was all kinds of wild on top of his head and he was looking around like he wasn't sure where he was. Opal, what's going on? I don't know, I told him, but just then there was a huge crack of thunder, one so loud that it shook the whole trailer 
And when Dixie came shooting back out of my room and went running past me and I screamed, Daddy, watch out! But the preacher was still confused and he just stood there. And when Dixie came barreling right toward him like he was a bowling ball and the preacher was the only pin left standing and wham, they both fell to the ground. Uh-oh, I said. Opal, said the preacher, and he was lying on his stomach, and when Dixie was sitting on top of him, panting and whining. Yes, sir, I said. Opal, the preacher said again. Yes, sir, I said louder. Do you know what a pathological fear is? No, sir, I told him. The preacher raised a hand. He rubbed his nose. Well, he said after a minute, it's a fear that goes way beyond normal fears. It's a fear you can't be talked out of or reasoned out of. Just then, there was another crack of thunder and Winn-Dixie rose straight up in the air like somebody had poked him with something hot. When he hit the floor, he started running. He ran back to my bedroom and I didn't even try to catch him. I just got out of his way. The preacher lay there on the ground, rubbing his nose. Finally, he sat up. He said, Opal, I believe Winn-Dixie has a pathological fear of thunderstorms. And just when he finished his sentence, here came Winn-Dixie again, running to save his life. I got the preacher up off the floor and out of the way just in time. There didn't seem to be a thing we could do for Winn-Dixie to make him feel better. So we just sat there and watched him run back and forth, all terrorized and panting. And every time there was another crack of thunder, when Dixie acted all over again, like it was surely the end of the world. The storm won't last long, the preacher told me. And when it's over, the real when Dixie will come back. After a while, the storm did end, the rain stopped, and there wasn't any more lightning. And finally, the last rumble of the thunder went away. And when Dixie quit running back and forth and came over to where me and the preacher were sitting and cocked his head like he was saying, what in the world are you two doing here? Out of bed in the middle of the night. And then he crept up on the couch with us in his funny way where he gets on the couch an inch at a time kind of sliding himself onto it, looking off in another direction, like it's all happening by accident, <laughs> like he doesn't intend to get on the couch, but then all of a sudden, there he is. <clears throat> and so the three of us sat there. I rubbed Winn-Dixie's head and scratched him behind the ear the way he liked, and the preacher said, there's an awful lot of thunderstorms in Florida in the summertime. Yes, sir, I said. I was afraid that maybe he would say we couldn't keep a dog who went crazy with pathological fear every time there was a crack of thunder. We'll have to keep an eye on him, the preacher said. He put his arm around Winn-Dixie. We'll have to make sure he doesn't get out during a storm. He might run away. We have to make sure we keep him safe. Yes, sir, I said again. All of a sudden, it was hard for me to talk. I loved the preacher so much. I loved him because he loved Winn-Dixie. I loved him because he was going to forgive Winn-Dixie for being afraid. 
But most of all, I loved him for putting his arm around Winn-Dixie like that. Like he was already trying to keep him safe. That's what happened, isn't it? It's just like that. Something happens. Something happens, and it might be every day that it happens. It might be every day that your children get lit up at the brain level. Something just causes them to feel afraid. They're sensitive, those sensitive amygdalas. There's such power in just that piece of being still and watching and waiting, isn't it? We get scared too, though. So what would have happened, you know, in this you know, she realized there wasn't anything she could do. There wasn't any chance, any sense of trying to catch him or chase him. The best he could, she could do was just contain, provide safe containment until the thunderstorm settled down, until what was upsetting, till the external trigger had calmed down. Sometimes we just have to wait it out. We just have to wait those storms out, don't we, until everybody can come back, bring it back down. I think it would be interesting to read this whole book with your child and just talk about it and process it and use it. Use it as a tool to teach about, to teach ourselves even, to teach about humanity, um, the realness of it, the realness of this mother abandoning, the realness of this father and this little girl trying to find a home to start their own little family, the realness of this very vulnerable dog that they bring to their home and um, how the preacher made a commitment. You know, he made a commitment and he's going to keep that commitment and he said, we'll have to keep him safe, right? To give him lots of love, to help him feel safe and calm. And you know what? That's exactly what our model of parenting is all about. It's all about understanding the impact of trauma it's about understanding that trauma literally changes the structures of the brain. It literally changes the hormones. It literally changes the neurotransmitters. And that the love that we pour into our children actually activates a part of their brain that may have not gotten much attention, much activation. That's the oxytocin release mechanism. Oxytocin is the cuddle chemical, it's the love hormone. And one of the things it does is it helps to modulate the stress hormone so that when we're in a thunderstorm and our amygdala gets hijacked and our lid is flipped, that the oxytocin can actually come in and help counterbalance that so that our thinking can be more clear so that we're not completely out of line, out of offline with our thinking, that our thinking isn't completely flooded with cortisol, where we become, our short-term memory is suppressed and our thinking is distorted and confused. Oxytocin, the love hormone, helps to calm that. Um, Courtney says, I just love because when Dixie, <laughs> yeah, I do too, it's such a, such a great story. Such a great story. And so I've got a few of those that I can remember Marley and I reading together that were just like, oh my God, they were just super heartfelt, well-written, created great opportunities for really good, relevant, relevant conversation. Not like it wasn't like railroaded, you know, and like just, you know, some books, it just feels like it's just railroaded. This is just so organic and so real and so beautiful and so... 
I hope that you take something from that message. If you've not already done so today, press pause on everything. Just press pause on it all. All of it. The chores. That is your room clean. Is your homework done? If Pause. Just push pause on it all. Give yourself five or ten minutes. Remember what we came into this for. We came into this because we felt like we had love to give. And that there was a child or children who needed the love we had to give. So, once you give yourself that five or ten minutes and you take some of those deep breaths, go spend time with your babies. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it. I have a, a friend, Erica, who said, my son called me crazy eyes, but I came and looked at him like that. And that's awesome. Let him, let him say, why are you looking at me like that? I'd be like, oh, I guess I just love you so much. You're so precious to me. <clears throat> a lot of our kids didn't get a lot of adoring eyes on them. In fact, maybe eyes were always looking at a cell phone, you know. There's a lot of that. <clears throat> maybe um, the only voice they heard reading a story was Alexa. <laughs> so it's time to bring it back. Bring it back to things a little more simple. So they can really feel the connection. They can really feel the love you have for them. Their favorite language is play. So go take a walk. Go collect some pretty wildflowers, random rocks. Go play tag. Go play chase. Go wrestle around in the floor. Create something together. Cook something together. Whatever it looks like in your family. But most importantly, let them feel the love you have for them. Everything you're wanting from them is going to come out of the relationship that you create. Remember, in any given moment, we can act out of the blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. We can take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed evening and we'll see you all tomorrow.